0: Thank you worship ministry for leading us in worship today If you have your copy of the Old Testament with you I invite you to turn to Psalm 1 We have sung the truths of that particular Psalm already this morning But it will serve as our text for today And I've entitled this message We are here As you know many of you know this already But in my office I have a little rug that says You are here and sometimes I just go stand on it. <clears throat> and I know for a fact, this is where I am. And what I've learned through the years is that there are a lot of people who don't do anything because they want to start from where they wish they were. You can't start from where you wish you were, you have to start from where you are. And so let's talk this morning about where we are, where well, we are here. So let's look at this foundational text for us this morning to provide context for the conversation I want to have with you this morning Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Well, this morning, I wanna just begin by reflecting upon this past year. 2022 has been an eventful year across the world. You'll remember in February of 2022, Russia invaded the Ukraine in a... An unprovoked and unsubstantiated act of war. Millions of lives have been affected, as well as the economic repercussions have been sent across the world. At some point in 2022, the world decided that we had to learn to live with COVID 19. So sanctions were lessened, and whatever you want to call it, a new normal, if you will, began to emerge. In June of 2022, the Supreme Court reversed the ruling Roe v. Wade, an incredible turn of events, to say the least. And then you may or may not have noticed this, but some tech people did, and that is in July of 2022, streaming outpaced viewership of cable television for the first time in history, marking a shift in the habits of Americans. Kroger, in 2022, spent $24 billion and purchased Albertsons. And then Elon Musk purchased Twitter. In 2022, Will Smith shocked the entertainment world when he publicly slapped Chris Rock at the Oscars. Turns out in 2022, Kanye is missing. Um, and Wordle has taken the world by storm in 2022. Lord of the Rings has made a comeback. And my favorite bit of news to share with you is Alabama did not make the college football playoffs. <clears throat> But how about those horned frogs, y'all? Come on now. Um, all these Texans. Uh, of all things, TCU is gonna make its way to the national championship. And just a birthday gift for you, Tom Kreitz, since today's your birthday, and I know you've got purple on. There were many notable deaths across our culture. The political spectrum, the religious spectrum this past year. Think about the people that we lost in 2022. Queen Elizabeth, Mikhail Gorbachev. Pele, Barbara Walters, uh, just recently, obviously, Pope Benedict, Loretta Lynn, Olivia Newton-John, one of my favorite athletes of all time, Bill Russell, one of my favorite actors, Buddy's dad, James Caan. Y'all remember him? I think he was in other movies as well, but I know he was in Elf. (laughs) Gaylord Perry, Sidney Poitier, Vin Scully, Mike Leach, Frederick Beekner, Michael Gerson, Brother Andrew. We lost a lot of folks in 2022. The Wiles family gained a new one. Our little grandson, Gideon Lee Wiles, showed up on planet Earth August of 2022, and uh, he is awesome. Um, So congratulations, Josiah and Adrian. Well, meanwhile, here at First Baptist Arlington, what about us in 2022? Our theme for 2022 was re... Do y'all remember any of the words that we studied in 2022? Do y'all remember the first one right off the bat last winter? Good. It's good. And uh, obviously, it's been a very memorable study for you. Let me remind you, we studied Psalm 23, reflect. is where we started last year. And then redeem and reconcile and uh, recreate, rejoice, Rededicate, reclaim. Do you remember the one for Advent? (laughs) Remember, good job. All right. Well, I have more to say about that here in just a second, but when I think about investment in ministry at First Baptist Arlington, there's a quote that often comes to my mind. Theodore Roosevelt was delivering a, a speech April 23rd, 1910. He was at Sorbonne in Paris, France. And the speech was entitled Citizenship in a Republic, and he offered a critique of cynicism and those who are quick to criticize others who are trying to make a world, the world a better place. Let me just share that quote with you this morning. Here's what Roosevelt said in 1910. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, Because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions? Who spends himself in a worthy cause? Who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement? And who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly? So that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. One of my all-time favorite quotes. And here's what I'd say about First Baptist Arlington. It is in the arena. And I hope that you already know about it. I want you to think about it. Just, just think about any area of potential ministry and you'll find our church in the arena, invested and engaged. And I'm grateful for that. And you know what? You make it possible. You, the members of this body, through your investment of your life, the gifts that God has given you, the passions that drive you, and your financial resources as you're obedient to God and you're giving to his kingdom through his church. Let me give you just a quick update. But first of all, thank you. Thank you as your pastor. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for all your prayers, for your commitment, for your generosity, for your love, for your compassion, for your willingness to try new things, for your willingness to band together and accomplish great things. I just want to tell you, as your pastor, on behalf of all of our staff here at First Baptist Arlington, thank you. Thank you for your hard work, your love for the Lord, your love for each other, and your love for this place. So let me just give you a quick update financially. Here's our budget. Let me give that to you first. I think we have a slide that will give us a summary of where we are. You'll notice that uh, we increased our budget last year. Our budget runs from April 1 to March 30, and we increased our budget 7.8%. It's the largest increase in the history of our church that we know of. And, uh, And so you have given faithfully. In December, we've made up a lot of ground. I want to thank you for it. Then I also want you to notice the World Mission Offering. You know that above your tithes, we also give to our World Mission Offering. To date, we've given $316,000, $482, I think, actually, to the World Mission Offering. And that money goes to support our mission work here and around the world. So thank you. And then you know we've been engaged in blessing the generations. I just want to give you a quick update on that. Blessing the generations. You have given $15.7 million to blessing the generations over these last five or six years. Can we just say thank you and praise God for that? And it has, yes, amen, sure. It has completely changed our ability to do ministry in this place. And uh, our debt has been reduced now to just a little over $7 million. And so again, thank you so much for your faithfulness in giving. Well, let me offer you a staff update. You know, in order to plan, develop, implement, oversee the missional and ministry life of the church, we have assembled an incredible team of godly, capable, talented, and committed people. Now, you know, the nature of any church staff, particularly a church our size, there's always going to be some level of turnover, but we've been blessed with some long-tenured staff members serving alongside an array of new ministers, directors, and associates who who actually comprise this hard working group of folks known as your staff. I want you to know I'm honored to work alongside them. You may remember back in August, we hosted a special fellowship for you to meet the newest additions to our team because we've had several. And we are incredibly blessed by the talent level, the commitment that this current group of staff members represents. I want you to know how we've organized ourselves because you may, may not have known this or know that this is what we've done, but we have, we've organized our staff into three major divisions. And then there are various pods and teams where these folks actually engage in their work. We have a leadership structure on our staff and that leadership structure provides oversight, direction, accountability for all the ministries of First Baptist Arlington. So let me just give you real quickly that leadership structure so you'll understand how it works, okay? First of all, there's what we call the pastoral leadership team. Now, I'm the senior pastor of our church, and, but on the pastoral leadership team, we have me and Barry Rock and Kurt Grice. I oversee the care team of our church, the care division. Barry oversees the coordination team and division, and Kurt oversees the content division. And if you take every staff member at our church, regardless of what they do, the role that they play, as they make their way up the chain of of, uh, authority in our church and leadership, it lands in one of those three places, either with me or Barry or Kurt. And then ultimately, as the pastor, it all lands with me. But this pastoral leadership team It is comprised of the people who actually have pastor in their title, and it's responsible for casting vision, communicating with our key leadership entities across the life of our church, setting our macro goals as a church, paying attention to the financial health of our church, assessing the overall spiritual health of our church, and facilitating the health of our staff. So that is the core leadership team of our staff. And then we have what we call the ministry leadership team. Again, I serve as the pastor, of course, but Barry Rock, Kurt Grice, Katie Reed Hodges, Brad Eccles, Phyllis Lisbon, Andy Malorn all serve on the ministry leadership team. Now, the ministry leadership team has a set of responsibilities also to work with the pastoral leadership team on all the visions and the goals, assist in stewarding the resources, accountability and management of our staff, implementation of our priorities, alignment with the parties of the church, the day-to-day health of the staff, communicating, collaborating, bringing clarity to the staff, also guiding us in congregational involvement. So if you put them both together, the pastor leadership team and the ministry leadership team, that is the basic leadership structure of our staff. And here's what we've done. We've developed and implemented a reporting process that involves all the ministry generators, all the department leads at our church. And these staff members meet regularly with the ministry leadership team to evaluate their ministries in light of the overall direction of the church. Each staff member has been assigned by the ministry leadership team a major and a minor So in other words, you have a major area of responsibility and you have a minor area of responsibility. There are some that actually have electives as they implement their ministry. We thought that language communicates. And then the the pastoral leadership team, the ministry leadership team, we work closely with our advisory council, the personnel committee, the finance committee, the deacon council. And it's our desire to lead our church forward in ministry and in mission. So with that said, here's what I want to let you know this morning I think you already know this, but I want to recap where we are. And here's how I would put it. First Baptist Arlington is in the arena. I want you to think with me for a few minutes just about ministry. Think about almost anything you can think of. Preschool, children, high school, college, young adults, meeting adults, boomers, traditionals. That covers the gamut of the age groupings and the generations in America, life settings, if you will. Well, here at First Baptist Arlington, at your church, we have professional ministers who are experienced and trained that lead all of these ministries. And they work closely with an outstanding group of lay people who are invested alongside them in providing programming, spiritual formation, discipleship, faith development, opportunities for ministry investment, and fellowship. Fellowship For each age group, or each season of life, settings so let 's let me give you some examples of how we 're invested in ministry. What about meeting the physical needs of our community from a spiritual perspective? You know our church is the owner and the principal supporter of mission Arlington. We now have three hundred and fifty four apartment churches scattered across Arlington that meet every Sunday while we gather here on this campus. We also provide daily ministries of food, clothing, furniture, transportation, medical care, dental care, counseling and assistance with all manner of other needs for free every day. And it goes on every single day. One of the busiest seasons of the year at Mission Arlington is the Christmas store. I just received this report from Tilly. This year there were 6,420 families who received gifts at the Christmas store. That represents 26,481 children. We delivered 4,000 bicycles to the homes of families. There were 941 spiritual decisions made, 262 people saved. The gospel was shared in seven different languages, and over 6,300 volunteers from across the country helped at the Christmas store. Can we just say, praise God for that. So if you have physical needs in this community, our church Is in the arena. If you have emotional needs, psychological needs, our church partners with the Center for Integrative Counseling and Psychology. We have five full time licensed professional counselors who office in the Wade Building every day. They're providing all manner of counseling services for our church, our community, and further, there are over 30 more licensed trained. Christian counselors who are across the Metroplex who work for the center and they're available to our church members. And so if it's more convenient for you to see someone at a different location than here on our campus, you have 35 counselors to choose from that are part of our network. And every day people come from across our community to our campus to receive competent Christian counseling to assist them in dealing with substantive issues like that to offer them hope. As they deal with relationship challenges and psychological issues. So when it comes to emotional and psychological needs, our church is in the arena. And then the the conversation around same-sex attraction is somewhat of a controversial conversation in our culture. Across the world, there are thousands of people who deal with same-sex attraction and want to overcome it. And they want to live a different lifestyle. Even though the cultural narrative is that change is impossible, we know the truth. And we know that the gospel can bring about change in anybody's life. And so here at our church, we are graciously, lovingly, compassionately, and firmly committed to the historic, biblically orthodox position on human sexuality. And so our church houses the ministry known as Living Hope, led by Ricky Shillette. It's a separate 501c3, and yet it's housed on our campus. We have people who come to our campus every week, as well as thousands who participate in online forums, and they're discovering hope and experiencing incredible transformation in their lives. We don't practice conversion therapy. We are engaged in a peer-based, biblically sound, Christ-centered discipleship ministry that works for many people. I want you to notice that this particular issue is very divisive. There are two major denominations in our world today who are facing this issue, and it is both denominations are experiencing fracture, and there are some who even predict a split, and that is the Anglican Church and the United Methodist Church. These, these denominations are dealing with this issue. I want you to know how I respond to what people say to us about what we do. I don't engage on social media about this issue because I'm not trying to win an argument. It's not my desire to drag our church into that kind of conversation. I'm not trying to win something. I stand on the historic Orthodox tradition. We are just here to help people. If you live in America and you want to live as a gay Christian, there are plenty of options available for you to affirm you in that same-sex attraction and that lifestyle. There are very few alternatives, however, if you want to live as a Christian and deal with same-sex attraction and find a different path. We are one of the few places that offers help. This is not a political issue for me. It's not a political issue for us. It's a pastoral care ministry that we offer to people in the name of Jesus Christ, and that's all it is. So, If you're struggling with same-sex attraction, we're in that arena. Recovery, coping, ministries that our church sponsors. Each semester, our church has specialized pastoral care ministries that we offer to our church and our community. These care groups assist people who are dealing with loss, and it's accompanying grief. We host a group recovering from the challenges of divorce. We provide a ministry to those who are dealing with cancer. These ministries, these care group ministries that meet here on our campus, are open to our church family. They're open to the community as we share the healing message of the gospel in tangible ways that assist people in recovering from real brokenness, hurt, and pain. Once again, if you are facing those issues, our church is in the arena. Special needs. Do You know that each Sunday, our church engages in a ministry with those who have special needs in our church and our community. We have a group of committed lay servants who provide a special Bible study every Sunday morning for these precious people. And the families of our special needs folks are truly blessed by this unique ministry. We are one of the few churches in the Metroplex that offers a ministry for those who have special needs. And... Our worship ministry has a special partnership with the Green Oak School here in Arlington. And we lead that school in worship chapels. Often they come to our campus to spend time together in fellowship and worship. So if you are a family that has special needs, our church is in the arena. International Friends, each week we have members from our, of our community from all over the world who participate in our International Friends ministry. They're learning English as a second language. They're learning about American culture. But most importantly, they're learning about what it means to know Jesus and potentially follow the Jesus way. They're making new friends with one another and with us. And we've hosted this ministry each week on our campus for over 30 years now. So those who are searching to discover American culture and to develop English as a second language, our church is in the arena. Child Development Center. Do you know that the pandemic, COVID-19, wreaked havoc across our country on child development centers. Many centers closed during COVID-19. They've never reopened. The Texas Workforce Commission is incredibly concerned about that because there are many adults who've been unable to return to the workplace because they don't have adequate, competent care daily for their children. And so, obviously, our church, in the midst of the height of COVID, uh, we had to shutter as well. However, we are back open, and under the direction of our center director, Eileen Moore, we now have 105 children on our campus every single day that we are caring for at our Child Development Center. And we're providing quality daily care for preschoolers in our facility in the name of Jesus. We don't just babysit at our CDC. We utilize a Christian-based curriculum to offer age-appropriate instructions for these precious preschoolers because we feel called to let them know that God made them, that God loves them, and that God is their friend. When it comes to worship, you know, one of the primary responsibilities of a church is to lead the people of God in worship. Our church takes this responsibility very seriously. Over the past generation in the American church, worship has become a sore subject for some churches. As a matter of fact, there are churches in America who have split over disagreements about how to conduct public worship for God's people. Well, here at First Baptist Arlington, we've felt led by God to provide worship offerings for our church and our community from a broad and holistic perspective. So that decision has led us to build a worship ministry team comprised of professional music ministers to meet the broad needs of our church family. Consequently, We've got a staff of quality worship leaders for both contemporary and classic worship ministries. We are blessed to have Aaron Toms and Charlie Pinnell to lead this joint effort for us. Two men who love God, who love each other, and have no egos. Praise God for these two men who serve alongside one another and lead us. I think it goes without saying that in that line of work, that quality is rare. So Charlie and Aaron, thank you for what a gift you are to our church and your families. And so they lead this. They have staffs. They oversee the ministry of hundreds of volunteers who lead our church in competent, holistic, theologically sound, Christ-centered worship each and every week. It doesn't happen accidentally. Kurt Grice, I've asked Kurt to help oversee this ministry. Kurt serves as the theological guide for the worship ministry. He works closely with me to oversee this vital ministry. So when it comes to worship, Our church is in the arena. And then we have global centers. Our church is engaged personally in the Great Commission. In addition to our historic denominational partnerships with Texas Baptists and the Baptist World Alliance, we're exploring how to participate in a brand new missional network known as Ascent. You're going to hear more about it. I'm very excited about its potential. We also continue to engage in our mission efforts, of course, as a church along the Texas-Mexico border. We remain involved in Costa Rica, West Africa, through the support of indigenous workers who are there to carry out the gospel strategy on our behalf. But as you know, we made the decision a few years ago to be a sending church. So we've established three centers of mission. They're located in Western Europe, in Central Europe, and in Sierra Leone, West Africa. We are working to take the gospel to unreached peoples, take the gospel to new frontiers, share the gospel with North African refugees, and plant churches among the post-communist European society. We've sent three families to oversee these centers of ministry on our behalf. Ryan and Sarah, as you know, are in Southern Europe, Central Europe, rather. Uh, Gabe and Seda are in Sierra Leone. Emily and Guillermo are in Western Europe, as well as all of their sweet children. In January... Later this month, we'll be approving a fourth global center that'll focus on a particular unreached people group primarily located in the Middle East. And however, has people scattered and dispersed in various places across the world. So I would say stay tuned. So when it comes to taking the gospel to the world, First Baptist Arlington is in the arena. So that's just a snippet. So think about it with me. Worship, spiritual formation, fellowship, poverty, Local missions, special needs, caring for children, meeting psychological, emotional needs, relational needs, recovery ministries, sexual brokenness, welcoming international, serving refugees, reaching unreached peoples, planting churches. This church, your church, is in the arena. Can I just stop and say, wow. And there's so much more. So with all that said, let's look into this next year. What about 2023? What's on the horizon for us? Well, you know, this next year, 2023, there are numerous anniversary celebrations across our cultural landscape in the coming year. For example, Toucan Sam is going to turn 60 years old in 2023. For those of you that eat Fruit Loops, you know who he is. Um, believe it or not, one of my favorite snacks, sweet tarts, will also celebrate 60 years. And then nerds not a fan we will turn 40. Um, Universal Studios will celebrate the birthday of ET 40 years, Jurassic Park 30 years. And 2023 will mark the 100th anniversary of two familiar entertainment media giants, Warner Brothers and Disney. You know, those two companies were started by two sets of brothers, after a few years in the theater business, Harry, Albert, Jack, and Sam Warren, Warner rather launched the Warner Brothers Pictures in April 1923. That company would be, become known for its contributions in the film industry and the television cartoon industry. Those brothers would produce the very first talking film. You know what it was? The Jazz Singer. And they would introduce the world to Bugs Bunny and his whole Looney Tunes crew. And then Walt and Roy Disney, another set of brothers, began the Disney Brothers Cartoon Studio in October of 1923. And those creative geniuses have brought us Mickey Mouse, Snow White, and Tinker Bell. Disney, of course, expanded its reach into theme parks, and it has now become a household name across the world. Also, in 2023, this will be the year when India surpasses China as the most populous nation in the world. From a political perspective, this marks a significant milestone as the largest nation in the world will be a democracy. From a social perspective, India is one of the most diverse nations that's ever existed. From a religious perspective, India houses the largest population of Hindus on earth. 966 million Hindus live in India, 28 million Christians. Remarkably, in 2023, the state of Israel will celebrate its 75th anniversary. Now, you may say, wait a minute, preacher, Israel is older than 75. But the modern state of Israel will celebrate its birthday on May the 14th. David Ben-Gurion was named the first prime minister of the new state of Israel. And he led Israel to solidify its place in the Middle East, allied powers granted rights for the restoration of Israel back in 1947. If you've ever been to Rome, you know the Arch of Titus stands at the entry of the Roman Forum, built by Domitian in AD 81 to celebrate the conquering of Israel and the destruction of the Jewish temple, and also the plundering of the temple. Remarkably, uh, in once Israel was restored as a nation, the Jewish rabbi in Rome in 1947 of November, he led the Jewish citizens in Rome to the Roman Forum, and they walked backwards under the arch of Titus, signifying the undoing of the Roman victory centuries earlier. All that to say, 2023 will have many milestones, anniversaries, and celebrations. But what about us? What's going to happen here at our church. Well, let me just give you a brief preview of what's ahead. Our theme for 2023 will be Why Does It Matter? When I was away from you in July, I felt led for us to develop this theme for us for the entire year. We briefly addressed this topic at Easter of last year. You may remember we had the yard signs and various other materials, Easter, Why Does It Matter? We purchased the URL, why does it matter.org. As a matter of fact, you can go to that URL right now. It's still active, why does it matter.org. And what you'll discover is there are gospel presentations in eight different languages, and I would encourage you to use it. If you wanna share the gospel with someone in eight different languages, whatever their language might be, um, I want you to know we provide a message of the gospel there on that particular website. You can even use it today. But when we look at 2023... Here's what's ahead for us. There will be some focal points for ministry. Let me give them to you. Apologetics, evangelism, young adults, church growth, and what I'm calling the dispersed church or the digital space. So we're going to challenge our church to more effectively represent what we believe. That's apologetics. And appeal to people in our spheres of influence, that's evangelism, to consider following the Jesus way. Apologetics and evangelism, they go hand in hand and also I'm burdened by all the research that I'm reading about young adults in America. Young adults in America are increasingly growing disenchanted with the church. Not disenchanted with spirituality, not even disenchanted with religion per se, but with the church, and so we're going to give attention to reaching young adults and young families. You know we're seeking two staff members right now to lead our young adult ministry and our preschool ministry, so let me encourage you to pray for them as we continue those vital searches. Also, I have felt led for us to address what we're calling the digital space. It's brand new frontier for us. It's not just being online so that people in our church can enjoy the worship services. This is a different kind of thing, taking the gospel to a digital space where many, many, many Americans live every single day of their lives. Most of them have never sat on a church pew. Many of them wouldn't even know what a church pew is. You and I feel very comfortable on these pews. Some of you more comfortable than others. Um, But most folks in our culture have never even seen a church pew, have no idea what happens in the life of a church. That's who we're after when it comes to this digital space. You'll hear more about it in the future. We're calling it the dispersed church. Here are topics for 2023 that I'll be preaching on. We'll begin with why does anything matter in the winter? And then why does sin matter? Why does the family matter? Why does eternal life matter? Why does the Holy Spirit matter? Why does the church matter? Why does mission matter? Why does the incarnation matter? Those are our eight seasons of the year. And to guide us in our journey, y'all, we're going to use the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John is a very unique gospel. We're we're not quite sure um, when John wrote this gospel, Um, most of us think John wrote the gospel after the other three gospel writers. That's the general theological scholarly consensus. But here's what we know about John's gospel. It is powerful, profound, and it will offer us a lot of opportunity for dialogue and conversation. And so we're gonna use John. I'm going to lead us in a Bible study in John in August. But all through the year, I'm gonna be preaching and teaching through the gospel of John. On Wednesdays, we launch our new pastor's Bible study, and we're going to study the book of Genesis together as companion to John. Think about it. How does Genesis begin? In the beginning. How does John begin? In the beginning. Those are complementary volumes. They fit together. John was an expert on Genesis, and so we'll use Genesis to guide us on Wednesday, John to guide us on Sundays. N.T. Wright has written a wonderful book called Broken Signpost. Here's what he says about John. He says, John's gospel is unique, not only in Christian literature, but in all writings everywhere. How should we best approach it? Think of it for a moment in terms of food. John's gospel contains all the ingredients you need for a full first class meal. Those who have the time, and most of us do if we really want to, should regularly treat themselves to a sit down full on five courses and wine reading of it. He's Anglican, obviously. Um, <laughs> right through. Right through. It should take roughly a couple of hours. Take that time to savor it, to sense both its overall flow and its sudden extra flavors, its splendid nutrition and extra delights. There will always be more, more depth, more subtlety, more hints of promise. Equally, in between long and leisured readings, John is also, if I can put it like this, a great book to snack on. John's gospel will reward that approach too, even while reminding you of the full meal that's waiting for you when next, when next you have the time and opportunity. I love that about John's gospel. It's worthy of your full attention It's worth just snacking on occasionally. It has so many beautiful sections. Now, as we launch the year together, let me just remind you of a couple things. You know one of my spiritual gifts is stating the obvious, so let me state the obvious. These two things haven't changed. What's our message? Our message is glorifying God by following the Jesus way. That's never going to change. That's that's our summary theological commitment. What is our mission? Becoming fruitful believers, influencing our world for Christ. Now, Think about that with me. Psalm 1, which I read a moment ago, you know that it's a foundational text for our church. As Charlie pointed out already, it's engraved on the walls of this church. You can start right here where Scott is sitting and you walk around the church. If you're new here and you don't know this, you can read Psalm 1. It's engraved on the very foundation of the walls of this place. And it has captured our imagination as a church. It expresses our understanding of a truly blessed life. Here's what's interesting about Psalm 1. The Hebrew word for blessed, the most common word in Hebrew, is barak. That word is used many times in the Old Testament and translated with the English word blessed. But that's not the word that's used in Psalm 1. The Hebrew word here is a much rarer word, and that's the word ashrei. Ashray could be translated enriched or happy. Here's what's fascinating about that word. At its core, the word has the idea of progression or advancement, In other words, that idea certainly is in the mind of the psalmist. He depicts the lack of progression described in the opening verses. In other words, a person who's not blessed is one who goes from walking to standing to sitting. Also, the word person, if you'll notice in Psalm 1, the NIV, the new NIV, translates it like this, blessed is the one. The reason for that is because that word is in the singular, but the terms wicked, sinners, and mockers are in the plural. So in other words, the blessed person is able to withstand the onslaught of those who are around him or her, who are enticing them towards evil. And this person, the blessed person, derives his or her strength from the Word of God. Their delight is in the whole counsel of God. The blessed person spends time cultivating a dynamic relationship with God through meditation, prayer, and reflection. And then the psalmist paints a picture for us. The blessed person, he says, like a tree, not just any tree, but a tree planted by streams of living water tree that has deep roots, cutting deeply into the soil, nurtured by the richness of this soil. And the result is a strong and healthy trunk or core. And then consequently, the branches spread out widely cast in shade. And then this tree is a fruit bearing tree that'll withstand the storms and drought. Its leaves never, never wither. And then the Psalmist says this, not so the wicked. Those who choose a different path will not be able to stand in the day of judgment. But God blesses the way of the righteous and he watches over their path. That's why that image has captured our imagination. We wanna develop deeply rooted people who have a strong core, who provide shade and bear fruit for others. The deep roots, that's below the surface. That's the reality of your life that only you know about. And you're the only one that can pay attention to it. It doesn't happen overnight. You've gotta give attention to developing a root system in your life You discover your identity by responding to God's invitation to have a personal relationship with him. That's where it starts. And then when you accept Jesus and you start to follow the Jesus way, you begin this lifelong journey of discovery and spiritual adventure. And those roots are strengthened when you give attention to the truths of God and not the ways of this world. Root development can only happen in your life when you read and study and pray and meditate and worship and reflect. God's truth is meant to be ingested. And digested, And then you develop the strong core once you become followers of Jesus. And that redemptive power of God spreads through every facet of your life. God leaves not one thing untouched in you. He will develop everything about you. And his power will be on display in you. And he's restoring his image in you that was broken by sin. And it's only possible through the process of transformation. It's God's transformative power And then once that happens to you, then you can cast shade. And don't you want to be that person where people can come and rest in the shade of your life. And you can bear fruit. Don't you want to be that person so that other people can enjoy the fruit of your life and not you just consume the fruit of others. And the only way for it to happen is to walk the way of the righteous. We know that's the Jesus way. Our lives are shaped by accepting him as Lord and then developing deep, strong roots, and we're shaped by his truth, and then we find real life. Let me remind you of how we've illustrated it. You've seen these before, but let me just give you these two images real quick, and we'll be done. Look at this image of a Psalm 1 person. That's what we're trying to develop here. We want you to love God, seek God's kingdom, and love others, and that way you'll address the foundation of your life, the formation of your life, and the ultimate fruitfulness of your life. And that's the Psalm 1 person. Our ministries at our church are designed to produce that kind of person. But not just that kind of person. We want to be that kind of church. So this next slide is the Psalm 1 church. Once again, we want our church to love God, seek his kingdom, and love others. That way our church has a strong foundation, and we are being formed by the Spirit of God, and we become that fruitful place. That way we can stay in the arena. You see... Once you get in the arena of ministry, here's what's going to happen. The winds start to blow and the waters start to rise around you. And we need to have the strength and resiliency of being a Psalm 1 church so we can stay in the arena so we won't be blown around by every wind of doctrine, led down every winding path so that we won't lose our way because if the church loses its way, Lord help us. And so we want to be a Psalm 1 church. One other passage of scripture though, this captured our attention, and you know that. We have, a, we have another passage of Scripture engraved on the wall of our church. It's Colossians 2, 6, and 7. It's over these artisan doors in the room. You know what we do with this text? We read it over every new member of our church. It embodies our message and our mission. Let's read it out loud together. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Don't you think about that, y'all. Why do we have that text? Well, receive Christ Jesus as Lord. That's glorify God. Live your lives in Him. That's following the Jesus way. Rooted, deep roots, built up in Him. That's that strong trunk or core. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught. That's that strong trunk or core. Overflowing with thankfulness. That's life, fruit, shade, fruitful, influential believers. That's why we've chosen that text, because it communicates our message and our mission simultaneously. So consequently, that's our charge that we give to every new member. It's our admonition. It's our prayer. It's our hope for all new members of our church family. As a matter of fact, it's our hope for all of our members, me and you and everyone else, that we will live up to Colossians 2, 6 and 7, be Psalm 1 people, and together build a Psalm 1 church May it be so. So 2022, thank you. 2023, here we come. Let's pray together. Father, today we reflect upon this year that's passed with gratitude. Thank you. We thank you for all that's been done and accomplished. And now, Lord, we're staring a new year in the face. And we know that in some ways, you could argue it's just another day. But for us, you've, you've given us the ability to live in rhythm, and that means time is marked. Every single day is marked with a sunrise and a, a sunset, and the seasons of the year are marked. And so we believe that marking our calendar matters. And so this is not just any other day. This is a, a new day, and. Before us now is a new year. And so, Lord, as we reflect on it, it's our hope and our desire to honor you in it, whatever that may mean for us. So I want to ask you to take just a second before the Lord and commit this new year to him, whatever that may mean for you. And ask him to guide you this year, to order your steps this year. And give yourself to him. And ask him to help you be that Psalm 1 person. And to play your role in helping this be that Psalm 1 church. Would you do that? Now You might be new here today and you can't even take that step until you accept Jesus. So... Perhaps what you need to do is make a decision about him. So if you've never accepted Jesus, never honored him and welcomed him in your life, would you do that today? Embrace him as the Lord of your life. Thank him for dying on the cross for your sin and invite him into your life. You can do that right now and begin this journey. And you can become a Psalm 1 person. Well, Lord, you've heard the prayers of your people. I ask you to honor them. The commitments that have been made, may they be lived out in everyday life. And may your kingdom benefit from it. And may you bear fruit in the lives of your people here in this place. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.